Hi, and welcome to the Science Already podcast, where I talk to amazing women in science and music. Today, I'm talking to Emma, Emma Hughes. She's a freelance electric bass player, and um, she, at the moment, we're currently at the Girls Rock London um, Women's Camp, where she also is tutoring the um, women in bass. And so Emma has been playing the bass guitar and has been singing backing vocals for uh, singer-songwriter Kate Nash. She's toured around the world, um, in, in the US, America, Canada, and played many festivals like Glastonbury, Coachella, um, Festival, and, and many more. And she's also been a member of the band Electric Pyramids, um, and they've supported Queen and Adam Lambert on their European tour. And yeah, she's just an amazing musician, having worked with many great artists like Charlie XCX. Uh, and currently she's working on an amazing project um, and has founded an organization which is called Music Over Matter UK that basically provides specialist music lessons for children with special needs. So, but without further ado, I want to go to Emma now so she can tell us a bit more about it. Hi Emma, how are Hi, you? Hi, thanks. Yeah, thanks for such a lovely introduction. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe if I forgot something about no. your intro, um... smashed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so you basically you're stu- you studied mu- music, obviously. Um, yeah. When you started out, was there like a specific instrument that you started out with, or was it more like let's see how it goes? And I mean, if we go way way back, I mean, I started out on the classic recorder. Okay. As a very young child, and um, like progressed to flute, and did that for a couple of years. Mm. I tried keyboard, and I was sung in choirs. And the one instrument eventually I got to, which was the bass guitar, and I clicked with it. I found one in my garage because my dad's been in bands back home over the years, and they used to keep all their gear in the garage. And one summer, I went in very bored and stroppy teenager looking for something to do. I came across it, and instantly. Just there was something about the feel and the sound. I became hooked and addicted to it. And from that, I went on to study music at college and university and now have made a career out of it. <laughs> yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, it's great to hear also about your musical family then that your father has always played music. So to link that together. And can you tell us a bit more about your... So you've been touring for the past months, I guess, with Kate Nash on a big tour, so now you're back in the UK. So what are you currently working on? Can you tell us a bit more about that? We got back about two or three weeks ago from a six-week American tour uh, with Kate, which was great fun. And during that, I started working. I mean, it's been in the the sort of process for many years, but I really felt the drive to start and launch my new project, which is called Music Over Matter. Um, And it's all about... uh, having inclusive music and targeting children with special needs and disabilities because I feel at the moment within music education there's a lot of cuts where everyone I think is suffering but I also think that children with you know special needs and disabilities they're also getting the brunt of it because maybe you know music isn't a key thing in some people's eyes Um, and I really see music as an amazing tool for learning to support learning whether it's educational at school or whether it's you know day-to-day skills you need in life. And I just see the power of it to use that as a tool, as well as using music, but to develop many areas of the child. Um, so I've started launching that and just felt the importance of bringing 
it together and having a can-do attitude mm. towards it as well. So, so when you work with, so is there a specific a, a group of um, age group of kids that you work with, or is it kind of? At the moment, it's quite broad. Um, I'm working. I mean, my youngest student is three, and I've also had inquiries for a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, everyone's abilities and needs are also different. So mm-hmm. it's an amazing experience to learn about different sort of disabilities and people's lives and backgrounds, mm-hmm. which is, is really interesting and inspiring for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, ideally, in a few years' time, I'd love to expand that to bring it into maybe adults, but mm-hmm. not just adults with maybe special needs and disabilities, but maybe adults with illness and trauma and expanding it and touching on different areas within life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used, I think the importance of it is that I use music as my sort of therapeutic tool like, I never dreamt of becoming a musician, but at the time, as an angsty teenager, I suffered a lot with anxiety and depression, um, and I really felt that I found my voice and my confidence within creating music, and that was my release, and that's how I felt, I don't know, I could get out to the world, mm-hmm. and I just, I feel it's so important that everyone has that opportunity if they want it, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm trying to bring to the table. Okay, really good. Now, so I've worked with, with patients as well with disabilities, and I only adults, and I've seen kind of transformations. Can you, can you give an example about um, when you worked with someone with a kid mm-hmm. on how it affected them, or how, how you would approach like working with a specific um, child in helping them mm-hmm. to kind of unleash that, that maybe creativity and, and so on. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, every session I do, I mean, I can make a lesson plan mm. and be like, okay, I want them to understand this musically, um, as well as maybe tackling some other issues, maybe social skills that their parents have actually requested that we mm-hmm. work on. But there's so much planning you can do, but every session is child-led, depending on their needs and depending on what they want to do that day. You mm-hmm. know, we all have good and bad days. Um, so it's very much suited to the child but one example I worked with a lovely lovely little boy he was autistic and severely dyspraxic so he didn't have very good sort of motor skills Mm -hmm. and especially fine motor skills Mm -hmm. and his mum came to me she's like he loves music his granddad apparently plays guitar to him Mm -hmm. and said that she didn't she wanted to use that as sort of some kind of outlet for him Mm -hmm. and I worked with him probably over the course of six months this is when I I started dabbling with it Mm. a few years ago but unfortunately with other work so I worked with him about six months and over the six months it started off he would hide behind a cushion for half of the lesson and would be peering out because there was something obviously new person and a change in his life that's a huge deal to him Mm -hmm. but with the perseverance and the patience and allowing him he came from playing behind the cushion and sort of maybe singing along to finally manage to get the cushion away mm-hmm. and he would pick up the spare guitar and I'd tune that to an open tuning so all he had to do was strum it and what he played was in tune with me mm-hmm. and we built it up to where we could have a call and response so maybe I'd start a phrase to lure him out sort of like come out from behind the cushion just over a little little chord sequence and then allow some space for him to reply. And he was also non-verbal. Mm, yeah, and yeah. so we were trying to build up his speech. So ways to do that as well as I'd ask him to count me in. So I'd do an example. I'm like, how many counts are we going to have? And I'd give an example going like, one, two, three, four. And then he 
would copy. And his speech definitely yeah, improved yeah. a little bit mm. with that. I mean, not that I'm a speech therapist, Mm-mm. but he really loved that whole, because I made it sort of, you know, the big rock and roll count yeah. into, so obviously <laughs> very high energy. So that was one way we tackled that. And then to sort of really tackle the music education, we sat him down at the piano. And what I use is actually coloured notation to yeah. nursery rhymes. So even a parent can sit down. And I really encourage parents to try and work with their mm-hmm. children, when, even if I'm not there. So obviously each note has a different colour and we follow the dots with the lyrics. And what I did with him, he got that instantly, absolutely amazing. Mm. And what we then did, he'd play it all with one finger and then I'd make a song about watching and copying Emma and turn it into my turn. And then I'd introduce two, two fingers and just a tiny little phrase. And then I'd be like, okay, your turn. And he would try and copy to the point that over this six-month period, which might seem like a, a small step for someone, it was a huge milestone for yeah. him, mm-hmm. he managed to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star using two different fingers, yeah. which was amazing. Yeah. And we also did sort of double stops as well. And to break it up, so we'd do sort of ten minutes at the piano, we'd break it up and do sort of a game. Yeah, and yeah. then we'd come back to the piano to keep the attention otherwise it can get too yeah, much engagement is but you know over six months his mum saw the fact that he had developed as a musician because I mean he his ears were incredible too he could hear what I was playing and he would work it out or if he wasn't paying attention to the coloured notation if he hit a wrong note he would, he would just stop and you could see he was processing it he was like I obviously not verbally saying it mm. but you could tell he was like no yeah yeah and he'd go back to the start and try again. So that sort of whole cognitive function, yeah, as yeah. long as the fine motor skills of using two individual fingers, if you know, you're dyspraxic, yeah, yeah. it's a huge step, as well as allowing to make eye contact and coming away from a pillow. So you have the social skills there. Yeah, yeah. And it really was, it was the most beautiful experience ever. And to see how far he had come in, although, again, six months to some people feels like forever, mm. that in a whole musical journey is a really small amount of time Mm -hmm. which was yeah it was just the most fantastic thing ever yeah yeah no uh, yeah I I mean absolutely uh just just being able to have these small steps Mm -hmm. um for for yeah if you don't have a disability it can seem very like trivial but for someone that has no ability at that point and suddenly is able to do this exactly songs and think it like you say like think about it as well oh this is actually like hear that it's wrong what they're playing mm. or not like in tune and and I I mean I'm a f- really like mm. big firm believer it's like disability is a perception to me musically because music is an expression of someone or something mm-hmm. so there's not really a wrong or right if it's an emotional spiritual kind of experience mm-hmm. and I feel like the parents and the children like for a lot of the time they've always been told what maybe the child can't do and there's all the can't do that like you know, if I had to play a bass that, I don't know, required me to have three arms, I would be disabled. Mm-mm. So rather than focusing on being like, oh, yeah, but they can't do that, it's like, well, no, 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 what what can we do? Mm-hmm. And there's always, you can do something. Mm-hmm. Even if they're just hitting one note to their favourite song, mm-hmm. that is creating and playing music. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget about that sometimes as well. So it's all about the, you know the positive and the perception yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. of everyone's abilities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's, it's yeah, looking at the positive rather than always looking down mm. at, I guess, what external people might tell you as well, or doctors, it's like, 
you don't have any options, mm-hmm. but it's all actually creating options with yeah. music. And because it's so accessible to everybody mm-hmm. and easy to do, I guess. So like certain instruments, when you say you encourage parents to do it with their kids in at home, for mm-hmm. example, would you... I don't know, would you encourage them to to either play it on the computer with them or is like a anything small instrument that they, that they have, would have? Yeah, anything yeah, they yeah. have accessible. And I also encourage parents, a lot of them get a bit funny about if they sit in the session with the child, mm. obviously depending if they want to or they don't, they get a little bit funny about singing. And I mean, I've, I've always got nervous about singing, but it's something I think as you go on, you kind of get over it. Mm. And I would never particularly class myself a singer, but... I can sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star until my heart's content. <laughs> and I encourage parents, like, even if they, if they don't have any instruments or maybe even technology to help them, we can all sing. And even the way we talk, our voice is, you know, a melody. Mm-mm. And we talk with a slight rhythm, just with all, you know, different accents mm-hmm. and phrases and mm-hmm. everything like that. And it's about embracing, what, again, what you have, regardless mm-hmm. if you have a disability or not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a very loosely put, sort of a very able parent they can still sing Mm -hmm. and I really encourage them to do that and um, there's one thing that I use a lot in my sessions which is a technique called um, intensive interaction where I basically mirror the student physically but also with sounds and can you explain how you do that so I don't know so um, a little girl I'm working with who has down syndrome she's non-verbal so I'll play like a little phrase and sing a little phrase on the guitar and I'll wait for her response and it might just be a simple, ah. Mm. I then take that sound and put that into oh, a yeah. song. So I could just be sort of like, ah, 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 and build on that. And then you can That's see that she recognises that she's just made that mm. sound. Yeah, yeah. And it, it can almost turn into a game because if they clock on that you're doing this, it's a really nice way to start up call and response and some improvisation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, even with body language, if I don't have an instrument and I'm just maybe doing rhythms and if they're not making any noise verbally but they're just doing the hands on the table, I will mirror that and then slowly try and develop that into a rhythm. So it'd be a sort of a slam down on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe see if they pick up on that and then whether they intentionally copy me or not. Mm-mm. And I think the thing that's important in the sessions as well, and sometimes it can feel a little bit awkward to you, but it's to allow the space and the silence for them to respond and allow for processing time. Because something, obviously, that maybe we pick up quicker or other people pick up quicker anyway, regardless, mm. is just allowing that space. So I might play and I might be waiting a minute which will feel quite long in a silence mm-hmm. but it's a, giving them that time to process what I've just done mm-hmm. and to process maybe how they want to respond mm-hmm. which I think is really important too especially with intensive interaction yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it, it's it's yeah when I was working with patients as well it's time I think is what often mm-hmm. um I guess like you say it's all about creating but people that have limitations they are often not given that time because not it's like the time and the patience. not the time in the patients, so they're like, no, no, you have to do mm-hmm. it now, or basically, well, you have to leave the hospital, you have to go mm-hmm. and then try it at home. But then at home, obviously, when they haven't taken the patients to go through something, mm-hmm. people don't do it at home either. So exactly, and as as a teacher, it's made me very aware um, in all aspects of having patients, mm-hmm. and because sometimes, obviously, if you've studied music and everything. 
you're expected to pick up songs very quickly mm -hmm. and you're expecting other musicians that you work with and sometimes you just need to think to yourself like no it's okay mm -hmm. if it takes a little bit of time yeah. I mean I get with myself very frustrated if I don't get I don't know a bass line instantly and I will really go heavy on myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I almost have to take the inspiration from the lessons and from the children and be like hey chill out it's okay and allow yeah, yourself yeah. that time to process mm -hmm. things so it, in a way it's a very similar concept that you should have with yourself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but just putting it into a different place yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it's a, yeah okay very very interesting and <laughs> no no it's, it's 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 an incredible project I think it's because it's so important and and especially nowadays as well maybe we can talk a bit about education because mm -hmm. I mean, when I look at, at how education today often is approached in many different countries, it's that it's it hasn't changed much, it hasn't evolved much, it's still very dry in the way mm -hmm. it's being approached and very few kind of space for, for creativity. And I don't know, like, and like in my own personal experience, I had very few music education during my, mm -hmm. my school time. There was very few hours... Uh, attribute to that so I don't know can you can you talk a bit more about that and how you how you would see it maybe or how an ideal scenario for you would be for how the education system might change mm. to actually embrace that what you're doing I mean I guess it all comes down unfortunately to funding which a lot of schools don't have mm. and I've, I've worked and I've volunteered in a lot of different mostly special needs schools yeah um so I'm a little bit out of touch with mainstream but even when I was growing up, I remember that my mum had to bless her. And she was very supportive. And I was very lucky that my family, if I said I wanted to do something musical, mm -hmm. they were just like, okay, we will make it work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mum would put the money towards it. And I'm forever grateful. Um, but again, that still came from the parents, yeah. not so much the school. Mm -hmm. And to learn music, I think I had an hour lesson once a week as a class. Yeah. And then a half an hour session once a week. Um, on my own one-to-one -one. Mm. and I think that maybe again with the funding and everyone with the recession and everything everyone's feeling the pinch and I think the fact that maybe the education system doesn't see music as a core subject everyone's very much pushing obviously for obvious reasons like English, math, science mm. and mm. ICT mm. but I think we need to come back to even when we are infants and how we learn as infants mm -hmm. Our ABCs are sung to us mm. through music. Mm. You know, we learn different how to speak through rhythms, mm -hmm. and we do that by copying. Mm -hmm. And you know, even as a baby in the room, we don't know what the sounds maybe that we can hear around us, what they are. So technically, we're probably interpreting that as some kind of movement. Uh, sorry, yes. music. Yeah. And even your mother's footsteps moving—that mm -hmm. could be a rhythm. Mm -hmm. Your mother's heartbeat. Mm -hmm. You're probably hearing that. And I think people have lost sight of that early connection mm -hmm. with music. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that needs to be remembered because it's also a great tool to use with other subjects. Yeah, absolutely. Like your times tables. I, I, I have a great experience from primary school as I had a fantastic teacher. This is probably where my spark came from, but she used to climb on the table with her guitar and sing us our times <laughs> tables in maths. And they stuck with me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All those little things. So I think if we had the funding to do that, would be great. And also not just the funding, because I was very lucky my parents could afford it. Mm -hmm. But what if they couldn't? Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing that I'm trying to be aware of while starting Music Over Matter, 
and making maybe a decision on how to turn it, whether it's going to be a company, a non-profit organisation or a charity, I'd love it to be inclusive mm. regardless of the background mm. because I think it's unfair that some children miss out due to a financial circumstance mm. because they could be just as musical and just as talented as any other child mm. but unfortunately that holds back and that's where we need the funding and people to realise the importance of funding yeah, yeah. music education. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it all comes down on too many, unfortunately. And I think, you know, so many industries, yeah. regardless of music education or the music industry or the film, or everyone feels the struggle and the pinch. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's about ways of supporting, especially, it, I think it needs to come back to the local communities. Um, and I'm working really, right at the moment, I'm working with uh, Wiltshire Music Connects, which is a music hub. And they are doing amazing things to try and get that funding into schools to allow more people to have access to this. And I think that's where you've got to start. You've got to start the grassroots and the small yeah, yeah. hubs and build it up from from there. Yeah, and then go cross like, yeah, and then cross regions, cross and then national basically mm-hmm. to implement it, kind yeah. of to show the, the to validate kind of what they're doing, mm-hmm. I guess. But not even just with education, like yeah. as a teenager. Music really helped me socially because I, I, I joined a band of my friends and we used to rehearse in this youth club and that really helped me to socialise with more young people mm-hmm. and get over some fears like stage fright and it helped build confidence as well. Yeah, yeah. And that was that's so important and the fact that music was that sort of pivotal tool mm-hmm. for me to develop those skills because I used to be very, very shy and very anxious person mm-hmm. and like I said, music was my therapy and... By having to gig, I had to learn how to deal with those emotions. Mm -hmm. And it was also a form of expression. So maybe sometimes I felt, you know, when you're a teenager, sometimes you feel like no one understands you and you get very frustrated. Mm -hmm. And that was my way of lyric writing or getting into a room with four people and just making noise. And that was such an amazing release and that was so important to me at that time. And the fact that I, again, was lucky enough to have the support of a youth group that would allow me to do that. And I wish I wish more people would see the importance of it. Yeah, I mean, when I was on Girls Rock London as well, it was just such an amazing um, experience to really, like, meet, like, form a band in, in um, uh, the evening that we met with four other women, create a song, basically over the, the weekend, write music to it, and then perform live in just four days' time in, 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 a, in a pub. And the, the confidence boost that I got from doing that, and but also the safe space that was created yeah. while doing it, it was something that, yeah, is, is so rare to find. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, music is just such a powerful medium to just help exactly. people to express themselves and... It's just it's brilliant because obviously you want everyone to develop musically and become amazing musicians and have all the technique and everything there. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more of a journey yeah, to yeah. it. And especially with Girls Rock London, that's why it is such a pleasure to be a part of people's journeys because I might be teaching them, but they are allowing me to become part of that journey. Mm-hmm. And that's just important to me as it is to see them learn a new instrument. I can I can see how they develop and it's a safe space where they feel they can let people in Mm -hmm. and do that so more projects like girls rock london or hopefully music over matter Mm -hmm. um and just trying to encourage that safe space like you know it does 
it, it really doesn't matter if you if you feel you can or you can't you can yeah and, and that's yeah, what yeah. people need to realize yeah absolutely big time <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah it, it is yeah it's just amazing what what girls of london has created because oh. it's such a uh an opportunity mm-hmm. that that they give to everyone to really do create music make noise and mm-hmm. i think so coming back to your own i guess this is a music over matter is such an amazing project um will you focus on it more full-time or still kind of be in bands as well kind of what what is yeah i, I was interested in, in kind of hearing or is will it be like a something that that will exist next to what you've already done before i would love it to coexist on yeah. what i do I, like hopefully i'd still love to keep touring with kate i've worked with her for seven years yeah yeah, yeah. and i don't plan on not doing that yeah depending on what she does obviously yeah, yeah. but i would love that to be a part and the fact that i think i have and I still get to experience different sides of the industry mm. really helps and influences that because I'm out, you know, with Kate touring, I'm out all over the world and I chat to so many people about why music's important to them and, you know, their feelings of a gig and maybe what they have in different countries compared to what we have in the UK mm. or different areas within the UK. Mm. And that really really inspires and fuels it. Mm. Um, there was an amazing fan. I feel like we've Grown up together, we met in um, in Chicago. Her name's Elise. Okay. And she's spoken to me a lot about her experience. She, hopefully she doesn't mind me saying, but we've been talking about it. And it was just beautiful because she told me that she had music therapy as a child. And she said it helped her so much with her motor skills. And she's an advocate for music with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And she wants more of the world to know. And she wants it also the whole taboo of not really talking about disabilities mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. she wants people to talk about it openly and become more open and accepting mm-hmm. and to have inclusive music i mean the goal of music over matter as well is to hopefully have a society where disabled musicians can not that they don't now but feel confident to go and gig and mm-hmm. maybe to make venues aware of having accessibility and all of this so this is quite a huge i mean if i want to brainstorm it's quite a huge project mm-hmm. where everything's totally inclusive and yeah, yeah. nothing really defines you. You're just a musician and we're going to have the best time and that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. And that's really important. Yeah, there was this company that I came across. It's um, They use eye tracking. I've been in touch with them recently. Eye tracking to Not make music. orchestra. No. Uh, they use eye tracking to make electronic music, for example. A bit like Ableton, mm-hmm. I guess. But it's all via eye tracking. So they can then go on... On, on stage and just be a DJ by using their eyes and this it's is, absolutely amazing. This sounds very similar. Maybe they make this stuff maybe open, it's or maybe they're connected. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've been talking recently to Open Orchestra to bring that into a school. Oh, yeah. So literally everyone is creating music by the tiniest movements and the eye changing. Yeah, yeah. Which I think how incredible is that? Like maybe you don't have physically the movement to control an instrument mm. but that with that you can yeah and again that's all about the can do yeah so, and absolutely. how technology is such an amazing thing to explore and how it's developing at the moment mm. like i've learned about this new instrument called scoog which okay. uh, is a little it's literally a little box with little circles on each side and you can have it as a pentatonic scale okay and via an ipad app you can change the key and the sound and the sensitivity so even if you want to touch like the tiniest test, it, it makes a noise and you can then jam around. And yeah. that's really great, especially for wheelchair users with 
smaller sort of movements, you put that on a tray and they it's something that is accessible to them and they're creating music in such a beautiful way. Yeah, yeah. And it, I think, you know, it's really important to support companies that are doing that and are seeing those needs mm-hmm. um, as well. So that's something at the moment I'm learning all about that is and it's blowing my mind and they're really fun. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It is great. I didn't know the, the small box and it's, yeah, again, it's, it's like about... Um, looking for options mm. to allow people, whether you're able or disabled, to actually use this yeah. to make the best music that you want to create and in any possible way. So very cool. Um, when you just mentioned that you, maybe we'll go a bit into your musical journey yourself, is um, when you worked, so you met Kate Nash seven years ago? At university. At university. That's how I got the audition. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was doing my university, the ACM in Guildford. Oh, yeah, yeah. So can you, can you, Talk a bit about kind of, because I guess you kind of evolved very much from the beginning together as well and developed the music styles potentially and how, how that kind of grew into what it is today and how basically the songwriting was I mean, influenced by that as well. All the songwriting is predominantly Kate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, live we might change it the tiniest, tiniest amount, but she always has an input. Yeah. Um, but I feel we have like our own relationship has developed over the years. I mean, I got it as a session player gig, obviously playing bass in the background. Yeah. And very, very nervous and like whatever Kate wants, obviously I'll do that. Whereas now seven years on, I feel actually a part of the band. Yeah. And I feel a part is it's like having a family and I mean Linda's worked with her yeah. who's yeah. Best Girls Rock London too. She's worked with her for six years mm. and the drummer is fantastic. Um, Alicia, sorry, because we played with Alicia yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Alicia, and um, it's all very much a family. And Kate's very respectful of all our musical input and energy we can bring to the live show. Mm. And I think through this relationship over the years, it's been really interesting to see how it's developed and blossomed mm. for sure. And just feeling supported by Kate for her to be like, just bring to the table whatever you want, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is really nice. And just to see her develop as an artist. Like, if you look at sort of the albums and the sounds from the albums, it's been a fantastic journey to see her go on and to be able to support her through. And, as you know, being very biased, but I think everything she's done is absolutely amazing because it's a yeah, true... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's, like, a true representation <laughs> of her. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I love about Kate is, like, she's very much true to herself. Mm-hmm. And she also takes on new challenges, as in she wrote a lot of stuff for her first album on the keyboard and the piano. And then she also plays guitar. Mm. And then for the third album, Girl Talk, she wanted to play bass. And she has this real can-do attitude. Like, if she wants to do it, she will do it. And that's very infectious. And that's where I think I get it from, too. When she played bass, she asked me to play guitar. And at the time, I didn't play guitar. So I was, but I was like, yes, sure. I can do that. And ran to Linda, and I was like, oh, my God, you've got to tell me what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what inspired <laughs> me to play guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a few years later, and that—that's what's infectious about it. Yeah, yeah. Can you because so this is a full female band. Yes. Um, and you've also played in Electric Pyramid, mm-hmm. which is which is half half. Yeah. Basically male female. Can you can you talk a bit about the dynamic and how how it is similar and different? I mean, it's similar as in we're just all very respectful mm. that we're musicians, and I'm very lucky that my music community of friends regardless you know male or female everyone's very supportive and we don't see 
gender as a descriptor. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky and I'm very aware that I'm lucky because I know that's not the case all the time. Mm. And I know that it is harder for female musicians because we do get let, looked down upon, which is a mm. load of rubbish to me. Yeah, yeah. But, and that, that doesn't define how musical or how talented you are just mm. because of your sexual organs. Mm. And so in, in that kind of sense, everyone is very respectful that, you know, we're just here, we're playing music, we're having a great time. I think it's more of the bonding in the sense that with Kate, it's like hanging out with your sisters. Mm. There's a real sense of looking after each other and a family. Not that saying we didn't have the family vibe with Electric Pyramid, but there's definitely that sisterhood where you could go to them with anything. And I know that I could call any of them, regardless if we're touring or we're just all at home having time off. We have that relationship, mm. which is really nice. And everyone's very open to emotions and expressing themselves emotionally. Like, I would feel totally comfortable, although I'm employed to play bass, I feel totally comfortable if I was having the worst day, I could go and cry to Kate and mm. she would be there. Mm. Whereas maybe if you're with guys, you want to... Not that I ever felt the pressure from the guys, but mm -hmm. I think you do adapt yourself. To not express that emotion just the same slightly. way. Just yeah, slightly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, all the guys, well, most of the men that I've ever worked with yeah. have always been very respectful and lovely. So okay. Awesome. Yeah. That's great to hear. And, so and uh, I'm, you know, very much, although I do Girls Rock London, I think it's so important for women to have this safe space. Mm. I'm very much about inclusivity mm -hmm. within, obviously, genders as well yeah. like I think that's really important and mm -hmm. that's something that maybe needs to be brought into schools mm -hmm. as well because I mean growing up as a female musician before I played bass I went to an all girls school and all the options that were pushed were things like flute and clarinet mm -hmm. and violin mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. singing lessons and I was like I don't want to do any of that I want mm -hmm. to play bass I don't I, don't, I want to be a rock star yeah I don't necessarily <laughs> want to go down the classical yeah, route yeah, yeah. and I yeah. think I guess, like, for females, you are, because it's all very delicate mm. and, and very intricate and all of that, whereas, and you don't, and, and especially when I was younger, you didn't see a lot of female musicians. Like, I think I looked up to Blondie and Susie Quattro, mm. and that's maybe, like, the breeders as well. Yeah. But there was very minimal female musicians that I could be like, oh, you know what, she's really cool. So I guess that probably influenced it too, whereas all the boys, they were having guitar and drum lessons mm. and bass mm. lessons mm. and they were starting bands and I think because I've seen my dad do it and he had a female bass player too okay growing up so I think I was like well they're doing it why can't I do it yeah, yeah, yeah and we were talking about it earlier in a workshop about performance and you know men are meant to get sweaty on stage and rock out and become a mess and that's really cool and then I feel like women because we're meant to be more feminine and all of that it's kind of seen as a bit of a weird thing whereas again I like to come off stage looking like Alice Cooper with my makeup yeah. everywhere and just sweat. And, you know, I think it's important to embrace yeah, yeah. it, depending on personal choice. Like, if some people want to do the classical route, obviously that's absolutely mm -hmm. fine. Or if you are a more delicate player, like, there's nothing wrong about that and your gender shouldn't define that. Yeah, that could it be exactly the and same for a man. And that could be for a man. And I've yeah, spoken yeah, to a lot of men totally. that wish they'd done vocals at school, but yeah. they didn't want to because it was seen as a girly choice or wanted to play flute. Mm. And... You know, it goes both ways, and I think it is important to recognise that. And, you know, as genders, but also as musicians, just as people, mm. we should support each other to allow each other to explore avenues that you want. So, you know, if there's a girl that really wants to rock out and get sweaty and crowd surf, 
great, go for it. And if there's a guy that wants to play flute, even cooler, go for it. And I think we need to learn to support each other and stop falling into stereotypes Mm -hmm. and allow people to express themselves however they wish to musically. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it's the more also, like, yeah, as you say, mixed bands, female bands, like, are pushed to the front. Mm -hmm. As you say, we had very few role models growing up, I guess. The more girls, boys have different types of role models, Mm -hmm. hopefully the more the diversity and kind of the gender stamp will kind of... I really hope hope so. Um, And I think it's important that it does Mm -hmm. fizzle out. I mean, it takes it takes time, but yeah, yeah you know, regardless of gender or abilities or race or background, anything like when it comes to playing music, none of that should matter. We're all people, yeah. and if we want to play music, we play music. Yeah, and I think that's a really important thing to be driving within our communities. You know, everyone should be entitled. Yeah, to play music. To play. Yeah, just yeah, to, to be yeah, able yeah. to play and get involved in music. Yeah, I think that's a great message for everyone (laughs) get out there (laughs) but it is true it is uh, I think it it still seems a bit unaccessible sometimes but it but it is so I mean I'm a big fan of of radio for example and Mm -hmm. I think radio is a really obviously today with the internet you have access to so much music for free often as well through streaming but radio as well it can give you it, I mean, everybody can have access to it. You yeah. just listen on the radio to like music from across the world, and and I think it has so much potential just to bring a message to everyone and mm-hmm. kind of convey a message, start movements, and, and as you say, Absolutely. like make a difference. So, um, so yeah, very very nice. So, um, another question that I had was about like basically you were supporting the group queen at some yes, point yeah with electric pyramid and and obviously i mean the band or adam lambert mm-hmm. uh, basically uh, is um they're so iconic and i was wondering like how was it to to play with them or to open for them basically on these uh, massive stages Probably the yeah. most surreal thing ever it was just I don't know, you know when you want to pinch yourself to see if you're dreaming. There was yeah, a couple of times yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is real. It was amazing. And what was really nice was that they were so humble. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, they were also um, humble. And, you know, they are they are legends and icons, and every single one is done in their own right. And, like, Queen's music, just insane. Like, the musicianship within that band. And that was really amazing to see, doing all these, like, huge stages in front of ridiculous audiences. Mm-hmm. And as a new band, being able to be given that opportunity was just incredible. And, you know, regardless whether you're on a small pub gig or you're on a massive, like, sort of stadium kind of gig, is really it is really important to remember to yourself that they're both the same at the end of the day, how you perform and how you treat them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just great to experience that. And the feeling of walking out in front of that many people was insane getting to meet them and realising that they're actually really lovely people mm-hmm. and that whole rock star persona wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And that was just, yeah, absolutely mind-blowing. Like, even thinking about it, I'm still a bit sort of lost for words because I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really cool. And to, to watch them in their craft mm-hmm. and, you know, not just musically, but the whole performance was 
just mind blowing. Like how they like Ad, especially Adam Lambert, amazing with the crowds. And I, I have to say, I was a little bit hesitant because I love Freddie Mercury, and I'm like, how do you even feel? How is it going begin to, to fill those shoes because I mean, what a persona and a person and an icon. But he really brought this life and this performance and the way he interacted with the crowd and the band. Just beautiful. So I learned a lot about performance mm -hmm. and, yeah, the connection with the audience as well as watching, you know, Neil Fekar, who was uh, playing on the bass, yeah, yeah. talking to him and his experience and just learning from him, watching him every night. I was just like, wow. And Roger Taylor and drums and Brian May. And it was just, it was really beautiful to see. And I'm so grateful and lucky to have that experience and yeah, yeah. but it, it, it is interesting when you say the I mean in the end it comes down to their musicians on stage mm -hmm. and they're performing their craft to the best possible way yeah. and they're very experienced but that's kind of then how you perceive them mm -hmm. rather than your heroes in a way or like the, the um, icons in rock but they actually mm -hmm. like people with an, an amazing craft in their hands yeah. yeah and it's just like I like I don't get the whole rock star ego Because to me, at the end of the day, although music is very important, we're playing music. We um, could be saving lives. We're not doctors. We're not all of this kind of stuff. So there doesn't need to be that ego. And I think the fact that you know you have musicians that have achieved so much in their lifetime and gotten their skill set to such a level, and it's lovely to talk to them and just remember and be like, oh, you're just another person. Mm. Whereas like you can idolize. And I mean, I was very nervous when we first met them, and I was a bit like, oh, oh my god. This. And then you start. I talked to them a couple of times to them. And, It's just like, oh, you're just a person like me, and like you've been on maybe a similar journey initially. Like, you know, everyone starts off learner, mm. and it just is really cool to see that you know a path you could go. If yeah, that makes yeah. sense, and it's really nice. It's inspiring and humbling. Mm. Yeah, I think it, I think it is amazing to hear from you. I mean, you're a professional musician, and then yeah, how how basically the comparison or the comparison doesn't really um how, how how would i say it the fact that you have these these amazing like icons i guess but then in the end it all comes down to we're all musicians making music mm -hmm. and we can be jamming together in a pub tomorrow yeah. for example let's exactly. say or but also learning stuff from each other in and um, that's the thing in performing i think that's really important as well as that I definitely feel like I never stop learning. Mm. Like, although, like, this weekend I've been teaching bass, mm. I've also learned so much from mm. the, the, the woman that I've taught bass to. Mm. So I'm also a student in other senses. And yeah. I think it's really important to have that head on because there's always something new to discover, like, especially with music and within this kind of creative industry. And that that's really nice to know as well. And, like, even talking to, like, Neil, the bass player, or Queen and stuff he's he was saying he's like you know I'm always learning and trying to get my craft better and I watch mm. him play I'm like oh my god if you're like doing like saying things like that <laughs> it's like I've got so fun to get again. like oh my goodness but that's a great thing because yeah as you say it's like the mindset is always there no matter how good I might think I am I can still learn mm. to become better exactly. or learn something new or that can like tweet my sound mm -hmm. or uh yeah and that's what keeps it exciting yeah, as well yeah, I think yeah. for anyone it's just like oh what can I discover today and what can we do yeah. and I also with music over matter get so much inspiration with the children yeah because their minds work in such a beautiful mm. innocent 
natural way. Whereas, like, obviously, if you're a trained musician, you do tend to overthink because you think back to your training and music theory. Mm-hmm. So you kind of go into this autopilot mode where you're like, oh, oh, is this the right chord in the right key? Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes children, they just play. And that's really good for me to learn and to watch them, how they just naturally sort of attack a song. Mm-hmm. And I, I learn so much, and I take that away from me as well. So there's a lot of give and take. Mm-hmm within it which is really I don't know it's really lovely and I'm very grateful because it, it really helps me too mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah absolutely it's learning from each other I mean I used to teach a lot and it, it, every day that I was teaching I was always learning as well because also the questions that you would often get and possibly mm-hmm. like whether you're in music or in, in science or in, in anything else when students would come to you and they ask you a question it's like that's actually such a good question I I've never really thought about it in that way or or something that for you is so obvious like with the base to like well when I do this this will yeah. happen but to explain it then to someone else or to kind of convey yeah how mm. they should can do it it's something different so um so yeah okay very nice um I like when you you already mentioned that basically um when you've been in music for a very long time growing up with your father I guess as well and then playing music and studying music and I was wondering looking at now you've been uh, teaching here you've been teaching women in music you're teaching kids um about music and I was wondering how do you see the the music industry going forward like for in particular then for women and girls that kind of want to get into music how yeah, or have you seen Ooh, like something evolve? <laughs> but I think for women in particular, I mm. do think people are becoming more accepting of female musicians. Like I, in London, there's an amazing like community of female musicians, and everyone's very very supportive, and they're all very very talented. Mm-hmm. Again, taking away the gender, they're just talented musicians. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But I think it's the, su- the support that we all give each other, and that's why things like Girls Rock London is important. And you can see artists, I mean, Kate has an all-female band. Beyonce's had an all-female mm-hmm. band. Charlie XCX, I did one session with her, but her regular band, all, they were all girls too at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were, yeah, I think a couple of years ago, I think she's gone a slightly different route now. I'm not sure okay. if it's just her and a DJ. Okay. But the fact that you could see that is really good. And then you've got bands like Wolf Alice. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you know, war paint. And, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many, and I don't know recently if you've seen the Jeff Beck documentary on BBC, no. but he has a nice mix of male and female players. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important and it's great that even if it's small amounts trickling through, like, I'd love to be able to, like, I just wish it was just equal. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. again, everyone gets the gig dependent on what is needed for the gig and their abilities rather than their gender. Yeah, yeah. But it's nice to see a small sort of trickling of female musicians doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on my Facebook feed, I love scrolling through because I, I do have a lot of female musician friends and they're all doing cool things, mm-hmm. whether it's performing or starting a movement or mm-hmm. organisations or teaching. Mm-hmm. Everyone is doing really great things. And I was literally thinking this the other day, I was like, this is really inspiring to see because when I started playing bass and I was like 13, 14. yeah. yeah. I, you know, I was the only bass player in my school. Although it was an all-girls school, it was just me. And then at university, I was the only female bass player on the whole of the degree. Um, so it's one of those things, and it's great to hear, especially young and inspiring musicians. Are like, I'm sorry, aspiring musicians 
it's really lovely to hear and I'm like, oh, hopefully there's going to be a generation of people that are like, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. It's, mm. it's kind of, it's great. I, I mean, I'm, look, I, I think it's very positive to see like this evolution mm. and, um, and seeing, like you say, the, the equality growing yeah. more and towards. the fact that people talk about yeah, it as yeah. well, like yeah. the um, whole festival lineup yeah, where yeah. they took away um, all the predominantly male bands and you just had the female and it made you realise how little like the female musicians yeah, yeah. there are. And yeah, like Lessonbury, for example, yeah, the main like stage. And, and, you know, yeah, not yeah. saying that just because they're women musicians they're entitled to play, mm. but I think, you know, there does need to be a thing of being like, okay, there are some really talented females and why are they not getting the gigs? Mm. And why is there like this weird perception? Like, in the perfect world, it would all be Equal, equal and peace and love yeah. and all this lovely fluffy bunnies everywhere and I, and I get that and I, like, I, like I said I want to like emphasise like I don't feel like anyone should be entitled to something because mm. of their gender whether you are male or you are female like they shouldn't just change the lineup to make it equal and maybe put on musicians that were undeserving if that makes sense no like based on on merit basically mm. yeah on, on, on the, their talents yeah and, yeah, yeah and, and yeah, yeah. you know I've, I see it I see it in places like Girls Rock London there are the talented musicians they Absolutely. just need those opportunities yeah. and I think people's perceptions need to change to allow those opportunities mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even things like the media and stuff they play a huge role because there's always been a huge influence from the media because mm. all you see is these you know these almost like super women pop stars that have beauty standards that are unachievable mm-hmm. and not again to take away from their talent because I'm sure they're all very talented but the way the media portrays them mm-hmm. is very influential especially on young women like mm-hmm. with Kate we did um, her rock and roll club for girls after school when I very 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 first started working okay, with her yeah. and talking to girls that wanted to get into music and being like well why haven't you and a lot of the time that like a, and I remember one answer and she was like oh I'm too fat and it was one of those things where I was like, what? Like, why do you have even that link between music and your body mm. image? And, you know, we started analysing magazines and you do, you see these like perfectionist, mm-hmm. like sort of images. Mm-hmm. And of course that's going to feel very, very scary mm-hmm. if you just, you know, have a normal woman doing a thing. Of mm-hmm. course, like I still feel like sometimes I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, like, what the hell like yeah yeah. you know it it is intimidating but luckily I know and I've had the support and I've now got the attitude of being like cool I'm gonna do that too yeah yeah. you know and I think it's really important I think the media needs to take responsibility on equal coverage of female musicians but also reality like real female musicians and Mm -hmm. again not taking away from all the big pop stars because they are Mm -hmm. but putting a spin on it so something that's maybe more accessible for people just starting out Mm -hmm. Because, you know, people like Beyonce and Rihanna, like, they've worked hard to get where they are and, like, never to take that away. But if you're at school and you're 15 and you see this absolutely beautiful, talented woman superstar, of course you're going to feel a little bit like, if, if, if you have that kind of anxiety around it. So I think it's important to celebrate as well realistic approaches. And that's something I think is amazing with Kate. And she's very, very, very relatable. It's like... She started off as a teenage girl in school and got found out on MySpace, mm. which is, I mean, unfortunately we don't really have don't MySpace now, <laughs> but like, I love the, the, the story because mm. it's so beautiful and so natural and how, again, she's developed and 
she could have probably been built up by record labels to become this big superstar, but she's always stayed very true to herself. Mm -hmm. And I know she's made decisions that maybe as in like a career term in a music business, Mm -hmm. record company's eyes is probably not the best idea. But in her idea, it it, it makes way more sense to her because it's, she's being the expression of herself Mm -hmm. and she stayed true to that. And I think that's so important to portray Mm -hmm. out there as in she hasn't followed the set path of becoming this superstar. She's a superstar in her own right because she's Mm -hmm. allowed herself to naturally develop in her own way musically and she's explored. And you can hear that through her music. Mm -hmm. And to me, she's a huge success Mm -hmm. because she's happy. She's doing what she loves. She creates music. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. what more do you want? Absolutely. I think uh, I've been following her as well. Mm. And I think being able to stay true to yourself and not fall in the trap of, of the music industry, mm. I guess. And, and it is a tough industry. And it, is a tough and, and industry. it might suit some people that route it, you know, people yeah, yeah. might want that, that. And that's totally cool. But then it's nice to know that there is another route. And it is a bit of a hard slog. But if you have the passion and commitment, yeah. look what you could achieve. And it's very realistic in the process of what Kate's gone through mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's really wonderful and it's had many ups and downs mm-hmm. you know it hasn't been perfectly sort of inclined it's been very up and then she had some downtime and I'm sure like she's talked about it in her interviews where she felt unsupported as a musician mm-hmm. but she always fought back and stayed true to herself and and it's, it's a beautiful journey to yeah. see and I think it's very achievable for any aspiring musician if if you work hard and you learn your craft, yeah, and but yeah, having the example mm-hmm. and and it's great mm-hmm. for starting musicians because seeing mm-hmm. what Kate has achieved by starting on her own, I, I guess, mm-hmm. or not falling in the trap of the music industry and um, staying true to herself mm-hmm. to develop her own music, her style with the people that she wants to work with, like you and Linda, and yeah, and, and then even and on like be a happy smaller and have fun. scale, yeah, yeah, like. If I think about myself and yeah, my yeah. own career so far, I'm just a very, you know, I'm your average British girl from a very small town called Salisbury in Wiltshire. Mm. And, I mean, obviously I had the dreams of being able to be in a band, but I never expected or assumed that I, I fell in love with the idea of music therapy. Mm. And I assumed I'd be a teacher or maybe go down the music therapy route. Mm-hmm. And if I think about what I kind of had stuck in my head compared to where I'm now and what I've actually done and achieved, it really is really good to know that anything is possible just really try those opportunities mm-hmm. like by taking the risk of all right I'm going to gamble and study music and mm. try and make that into a career but taking that risk and doing loads of gigs and meeting lots of people mm-hmm. I'm now lucky enough to say that I'm playing for someone that I really aspire in, aspire to and look up to but I also feel part of her family yeah I've traveled the world I'm on tour with my best friends but alongside that I also get to do the other dream of teaching and I would still love to keep going down maybe the music therapy route and mm-hmm. do a master's to become an official music therapist mm-hmm. and all of that's possible and that's you know on a smaller scale and just to think you know if I was 14 and told myself like my 28 year old self had a conversation with my 14 year old mm-hmm. self mm-hmm. and be like did you know that you're going to be doing this I, I would be like oh, get out stop <laughs> it you know I would yeah. never have assumed to do mm-hmm. what I do mm-hmm. um and I think that's something to be like, you know, it is achievable. And I had less opportunities. Like there weren't things like Girls Rock London. Mm-hmm. I had I had the youth group, but mm-hmm. that was a mix of guys and girls and we all just got together. Mm-hmm. So from like that tiny thing to develop, it was great. And yeah. it was all about the nurturing and people telling you, you can. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of something that I'm 
trying to bring back into my teaching and um, the music over matter is giving it to maybe the next generation and being like you know I've done it and it was really great it was hard work I'm not gonna lie and it's still gonna be hard work but I love it and you can do it too if this is what you want to do and I think that's really important I think that is <laughs> a great um a great way to go into the fire the quick fire quiz but I oh, think God. I think yeah. that the, yeah it is the the fact that you you work in different fields now again as well all kind of within music or creativity or education I, the fact that you approach it with with an we can you can attitude is something that especially today I think especially young people just need to hear more in a positive way mm -hmm. rather than yeah um so yeah i think it's it's great to to hear um yeah just all about your projects so yeah maybe we can hear a bit more about um some songs and albums that you that have impacted you personally like and why did they impact you i mean bass albums i loved when i first started playing mm. a band called incubus and they're still yeah. to this day one of my favorite bands yeah, yeah and the album science because there was a lot of slap bass in it and as a young bassist that I was doing to people I was teaching upstairs, I just wanted to play slap bass. I wanted to be Flea from the Chili Peppers and I wanted to be an incubus. It was rocky, it was funky, it, it just had everything. And that really, I think, inspired me mm -hmm. um, as, as a young player. Um, and as a band incubus, I love their musical journey. Like they're kind of, on some albums, they're kind of doing like hard, funky, new metal-y stuff. Yeah. But then they've gone more rocky and then more melodic and more pop. Mm -hmm. And... I think that's beautiful that a band has been allowed to do that and mm. has done that successfully. So mm. they, they've definitely influenced me. Um, I mean, I was definitely an emo kid as well. I love bands like Funeral for Friends. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I loved I love all the lyrics. Well. Yeah. And there was the one album, Casually Dressed, in mm. Deeper Conversation. Mm. I mean, that album will stick to me forever. It, it really influenced. And that was, again, a really pivotal album because I remember there was a guy that was in older bands. He was my best friend's sister's boyfriend mm. and he was like we were just chatting about music and he was like oh have you heard of this band and I remember him playing it to me and I loved the dynamics of like intricate guitar parts and then there was some sung vocal bits but there was also screamo and people got really angry and I was like this is melodic but anger and oh it was beautiful such an amazing album um, but then things like Hendrix and The Doors and mm. all the classics and Fleetwood Mac yeah, things that makes actually, one of my favorites. Oh, I mean, Stevie Nicks <laughs> Rumors, is probably yeah. one of my <laughs> idols, like as a musician, as a style icon. Like, I, mm. I think she's fantastic. Mm. Um, so, I think being brought up as a child as well on bands like that from my parents, and like mm. my mum was very much Fleetwood Mac. Oh and yeah. That. And then my dad was a bit rockier with the Ramones. Oh yeah. And so there's still songs that I hear to this day, and that, it brings me back to that time, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like the seventies, in particular, mm. the music from that that era mm -hmm. is it's such it's, an it's incredible, like, yeah, yeah. Like you can't, I, I can't, I think, name any band that I would say they weren't, they didn't have like an impact on, exactly. in some way, or yeah, you were like totally. connected with some kind of. And I always experience. Like, I say I'm always like I think I was born, you know, in the wrong era because like musically, I'm very much like a band based person. Mm. Like mm. I do like yeah. All of that kind of era, yeah, absolutely yeah. love. I yeah. mean, I've got playlists to go on for days for that kind yeah. of stuff, which is really cool. But then also, I really liked the sort of um, pop punk 
mm-hmm. movement, like bands like Blink-182 and Sum 41 yeah. and all of that. I love that too. Yeah. But again, just very band mm-hmm. heavy. But all yeah. of that just kind of opened a world of sort of the punk and the aggression, which is probably gone more into my performances because mm-hmm. I love seeing people jump around and rock out on stage and I think that's and improvise yeah, yeah. and I think that was just something that really influenced my mm-hmm. stage presence I think too mm-hmm. cool very cool um, can you recommend a female musician that we might not have heard of but that you oh. would say that she's so amazing you have to check it check her out or, or like a band female oh. musician can be a band as well so more more I mean, God, where do I start? Um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's many I mean, great recently, ones. recently, I've fallen in love with Alabama Shakes. Oh, yeah. I oh, that. my God. I saw them live What a voice, Stone. what a guitar player. Like, I mean, the whole band, but if we're talking about a woman, like, is her name Brittany? I've forgotten. Oh, uh, as I've got a name now. Yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. goodness. And yeah, yeah. I also, Beth Ditto from The yeah. Gossip, mm-hmm. I remember watching her when I was 17 at Reading Festival, okay. and her stage presence and her attitude was just insane and then to bring it into female bass players relating to my bass playing I love Divinity Rocks who's mm-hmm. played with Beyonce mm-hmm. and she's also done her own solo albums and Tal Wilkenfeld who's also played with Jeff Beck and she's a bit more jazzy but her, her skills are just oh in, absolutely incredible um, I'm cool. trying to think there's so many and yeah, yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> I think yeah that and but yeah yeah, yeah that'll have to do because I'm like oh god they're, I think they're at the moment anyway, okay. especially at the moment, they're my... Yeah, yeah, Alabama Shakes, I saw them some years ago, and it was... The acoustics in the room was not that great, but because the presence of yeah. her on the stage, I mean, it didn't matter what the acoustics was in the room, mm-hmm. you were like, yeah, this, she's so good. Oh, also Haim. Oh, Haim, yeah. Oh, I really loved them, I saw them at festival, and... I just thought how wonderful, like, they're all very talented mm. musicians, I mm. guess, they're on the bass, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and, like, the other two sisters, I'm not very good with names. No, me neither. Of bass player, of course. Um, <laughs> but that was, I was like, how beautiful. It's like three sisters that have come together and mm. made music, and I love that. And, yeah. like, bands like that that are now sort of having a bit more of a spotlight in the media, mm. like, that really excites me. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, and they are, they're all, like, also very true to kind of their music. Yeah. Um, and also, like... I love Paramore. I really mm. like Hayley Williams from Paramore because mm. I think where they were sort of in that sort of poppy, punky, rocky scene, to have her as a front woman, mm-hmm. it was really cool because all the bands like Blink wanted to, it's all very guy dominant. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was so refreshing to see a, like a female rock out as hard as the guys do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I love that. And again, I love how they've developed musically. Like if you think of their first album compared to the album they've released, was it a year ago now? Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic mm-hmm. and it's really great to see a band again explore different styles and genres yeah. and how she's adapted as a vocalist I think it's fantastic oh yeah really great yeah the dynamic on stage how it can change as well yeah. in terms of the music that kind of all the people that you bring and in also you know yeah, yeah. they've had different people in the band yeah, yeah it's really interesting to see how it's changed and maybe what other people have brought to the band mm-hmm. and how it changed when they left and this new person and mm-hmm. I find that quite exciting too yeah yeah Okay, very cool. Many, many to look up again as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, what are you currently reading at this point? Uh, <laughs> can be anything. No, can no, be anything. no. I'm actually quite um, hippie at the moment. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm fascinated about sort of learning more about spirituality because I'm. I would never say I'm religious. I'm very open to all religions. I'm very much, if you know, everyone 
is entitled mm. to believe what they want. Mm-hmm. But I'm very interested in sort of tuning into ourselves. So I'm reading this book called Sacred Powers. Okay. And it is all about sort of um, finding yourself in like the vibration and the energy that you put out to the world mm. and about the laws <clears throat> of attraction mm. and the power that you actually have without even knowing. Yeah. And through things like med- learning about meditation mm. and all of that and really coming back into yourself. Okay. And I've only just started it. Um, but I love it, and yeah, very. It's very, very interesting. Sacred, called Sacred Powers. Okay. Oh, and another great book I read oh, yeah, was um yeah. the oh, oh no, it's gone from my head. Me. Never mind. I'll have to find it and text yeah, it. Yeah, you, you. you can tell it's me, like, and I'll add it to the show notes. Then wild women or something, and it's about how women are portrayed within folklore. Oh yeah, and things, yeah. and it was really, really fascinating, okay. and I loved it. I'll. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the show notes. actually, coming back to your meditation, maybe because so you're 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 reading about meditation now. But I I was wondering just like quickly when you go before you basically would go on stage or something. Do you have a ritual in terms of I don't know calming down or do you want to have a, get like hyped up or a bit of both? Bit of like both, I yeah. have the sort of me time where I'm sort of psyching myself up in my head where I was like, oh, I know these songs. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. You know, go out there, own it. And kind of, you know, building yourself up. and yeah, yeah. But whilst I'm having that internally, I'm really focusing on my breathing. Because mm. I definitely get very jittery and anxious. And mm. physically, my, my fingers go ice cold. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to warm them up as well. Um, but then I also like to get pumped because I have so much adrenaline and excess energy. Mm. I love it when we go on, just before we go on stage with like Linda and Kate and, and um, Alicia. is that we have music on and we just sort of jump and we sing. And we just like... <laughs> really let loose and let all this energy out and as you go on stage you're just kind of like oh I haven't stopped moving for the last like five minutes and that's really cool so it's quite like a, a polar opposite like on my own very much mm. I guess a meditation zen. and yeah. a zen state when I'm with the rest of them it's like okay we're in this together yeah we're a, we're a family we're gonna rock it let's build ourselves up and get that energy like flowing yeah yeah, yeah. oh very cool okay and then final question what is your favorite invention favorite invention Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> can be, yeah, can be anything. Um, was that, or like, what is something that, yeah, you can't, it, it either helped you or something so much, or you can't live without, or it's. I mean, I'm probably going to get shot for saying this. As a musician, I love Spotify. I know there's a lot of queries because of money. Yeah. getting paid to the artist yeah, yeah. but as a musician it has helped me so much as in broaden my horizon it's an amazing tool to sit down I can type in you know bands that I mm. might like and you can click on the related artist and I discover a new band, yeah, a new yeah. band. or if I want to just type in a genre of music mm. that maybe I want to learn more about and study it opens this whole new world and mm-hmm. I love how accessible music is through it mm-hmm. I definitely understand why artists are kind of obviously annoyed with the industry because mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, it does devalue the recordings mm-hmm. and obviously financially. But as a tool to learn songs and to expand as a musician, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I mean, I listen to Spotify every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, me too. You know, I have all my playlists on there yeah. and everything like that. And if, if I really like the album, I will. I will go buy it. I promise. <laughs> um, on iTunes or like if my yeah, physical yeah. copy, especially vinyls and stuff. But I just think what an amazing tool and I think that's maybe something that we all need to become accepting of and learn to use to an advantage of a musician mm-hmm. as well as like a learning tool and you know expansion tool but also 
something to help support their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music discovery is one of my favorite mm-hmm. things as well, and being able to do that via either Spotify or like other. Mm-hmm. I listen a lot to KEXP. It's a radio yeah. station in Seattle. It's like yeah, a non-commercial radio station from the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. And I've been a fan for so many years. And But the good thing is that they would put on bands completely unknown yet. Oh, up wow. to like bands that are very well known. But they kind of treat them in a very similar way. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way to discover new music and like in different styles. Maybe oh, like I definitely want to check that out. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, kexp.org. That's kind of their uh, organization. So, so yeah, I mean... Emma, this was truly amazing. It was really great awesome. to learn. Thank you. I love, I love chatting <laughs> with you, and thank you for listening to me ramble on for a long time. No, absolutely. I mean, it was great to hear about your journey as a musician, but um, and even more about your journey now with Music Over Matter. I mm-hmm. think it's such an inspirational um, uh, organization that you're setting up mm-hmm. uh, around education, which is basically a basic right for everyone exactly. um, yeah. and it, I mean it's in its very initial stages so yeah. it's very exciting and very open especially like talking to people like you it's so yeah, nice yeah. to have to talk and share ideas and mm. I don't know I'm always looking for external input yeah. and help and advice so if anyone else listening has any okay. other ideas to support or anything please you know I'll make sure that my email address or something is in, yeah, very in the cool. notes. So yeah, I'll, I, can I add your email address? And, and the website. And I'll add the website as well. And I guess you're on Twitter as well, so people could... On Twitter, or Instagram, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, yeah, Although yeah. I'm still not quite in the social media swing. I keep forgetting to do it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should have posted about this. Yeah, yeah. But they but, can reach you via email, so that's really yeah, great. Yeah, so you know, if anyone yeah. is doing something similar, I'd, I feel like, again, the, building on the whole learning thing, I, I want to learn more and I want to build upon my knowledge with mm. other people's knowledge and yeah, just share yeah. the experience so if anyone is interested please do get in contact okay very cool um so yeah thank you so much and yeah best of luck with everything thank and i look you. forward to hearing much more about music over matter and all your touring as well in the future and music making so thanks everyone bye thanks bye, bye. <laughs>